Welcome to Christ Church. The following is a homily from our Sunday morning gathering in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Enjoy. The Holy Ghost for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, according to St. John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There they gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume, but Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? Judas said this, not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put in it. Jesus said, leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Take my words and speak through them. Take our ears and hear through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for you, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. God bless you. While the story of Mary anointing Jesus' feet is very beautiful and a devotional story, I'm going to be focusing on the last sentence. You will always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. Jesus' statement concerning the poor always being with them was not a criticism of charity, but rather it was said to bring attention to the closeness of his betrayal and death. Mary was the only one who really seemed to understand what was about to happen to Jesus. This seemed to have prompted her to anoint his feet. The disciples, who were as closest to him as anyone, missed the significance of that act. The words that Jesus spoke have often been used to justify insensitivity toward the poor, but they cannot legitimately serve that purpose. Jesus was referring to the law, the Torah, as the complete verse reads, For the poor will never cease out of the land. Therefore I command you, saying, You shall surely open your hand to your brother, to your needy, and to your poor in your land. This comes from Deuteronomy. The real sense of Jesus' commitment is that they will have many opportunities to help the poor, but they won't always have Jesus present with them. Those who truly love Christ so much better than this world are willing to lay out their best they have for him, Considering what Jesus did for us and how he suffered for us, we often seem ungrateful when we think of any service that is too hard for us to do 
or too lowly for us to stoop down to, whereby he may really be glorified. Those who value themselves in their secular life and undervalue others for their serious devotion to Christ have more of the spirit of Judas in them than they may think. When Judas asked, why was it not given to the poor, it is easy to answer. The oil was better bestowed on our Lord Jesus. Judas said this not because he cared for the poor, as he pretended, but because he was a thief. He had the money bag. Judas had no compassion towards the poor. He had no concern for them. The poor to Judas did nothing more than to serve his own ends by being the overseer of the funds that were designated for them. Today, some still strive for power and prestige in the church, while others still strive for its purity. Some, like Judas, perhaps care for the church, but really only care about advancing themselves. The truth of the matter was, while this ointment was designed for his master, Judas would rather have had its value in money so it could be put into the money bag in which he was entrusted. Then he knew what to do with it. Sometimes in the future, our opportunity to serve the Lord will also come to a close. At some point, it will be too late for us to do the work that Jesus asked us to do. Even now, those of us who are older can only offer our diminished vigor. Still, our time is not yet finished. We can still seize the moment so that Jesus can greet us. Well done. Enter into the joy of your Lord. For the young among us, there is much time to prepare and implement your plan of ministry to serve the Lord. Look into your hearts. Talk to the clergy and the elders in the church. There is much to do. The gospel words make it clear that in our world, we will never be able to solve all the problems of poverty. We will always have the poor with us. Our concern for the poor must be rooted in theology. This means that our task is not finished when we have given away food baskets at Thanksgiving and Christmas when we've donated used clothing to the Salvation Army, after we've helped assist building a house for Habitat for Humanity, or helped a month sleeping overnight with Family Promise. If the incarnation is taken seriously as a paradigm, it means that we live our whole life with the understanding that we have been called to a life of suffering servitude on behalf of a needy world. That may mean different things to different people when we look at specific situations. Sometimes it might mean being like Mother Teresa, serving the poorest of the poor in Calcutta. At other times it might mean living a simpler lifestyle so that we can share our goods with those who are less fortunate. 
There's no single action that can be claimed as exclusive embodiment of Christ in the world. Perhaps Christ becomes flesh in our world today in a variety of ways, as long as there are good people who make themselves available to serve God for whatever purpose he needs. God's given us two options, a life of darkness, a life of light. Jesus comes into each age to judge us, to see which option we have chosen, to harvest the lives of light in each age and to offer them a path of salvation. This is the gift from God for those who have truly become the light of God in their age. So what does all this mean for us today? Each day, we have a choice as to what we do, who we choose to interact with, and how we choose to interact with them, and how our lives are being played out. When we see a homeless person on a street corner with a sign asking for help, what do we do? What goes through our minds? I'm always tugged at this situation because I've seen people on the street corner when they leave for the day, walk over and drive away in a really nice car. So who are the scammers and who are truly poor that really need our help? I have a story. There was a homeless lady begging at Quick Trip one time asking for money. She asked, I asked her if she would like a warm drink and a breakfast sandwich, to which she replied, God bless you, yes, please. So I took her inside, bought her coffee and a breakfast sandwich. I didn't give her any money, but I helped her with the needs that she had at that moment. She was hungry. So how do we distinguish between the poor and the scammers? Tough call most times. And sometimes it's better to be scammed to, than to let someone suffer. I've heard more than once, and I'm sure you have, you don't know whether that person that is standing in front of you asking for help might not be Jesus. In our upcoming ordination vows as deacon, the bishop will address us during the examination by stating, in part, as a deacon in the church, you are to study the Holy Scriptures, to seek nourishment from them, and to model your life upon them. You are to make Christ and his redemptive love known by your word and example to those among whom you live and work and worship. You are to interpret to the church the needs, concerns, and hopes of the world. At all times, your life and teaching are to show Christ's people that in serving the helpless, they are serving Christ himself. In the preface to our ordination, it also states, it is the special responsibility of deacons to minister in Christ's name to the poor, the sick, the suffering, 
and the helpless. So those are my responsibilities as an upcoming ordained deacon. But I also believe it is our role for all of us as human beings living in community with Christ, with one another, to help the poor, the sick, the suffering, and the helpless. To that end, we have a prayer group here at Christ Church who pray in community for the sick, both within and outside our congregation. We have people here who periodically distribute food to those in need. We reach out as a community through our support of Family Promise to help those families who are trying to get themselves back on their feet and reestablish themselves as members of the community of God. The list of outreach activities goes on and on, not only here at Christ Church, but in most churches. It is our responsibility as Christians to treat all people with dignity, respect, and caring. Whether we help financially or with our time or with our God-given talents, that is your choice and mine. But to all our brothers and sisters in this community we call Christ's kingdom, we can share a smile, say good morning, say God bless you, open a door for an elderly person, or help someone across the street. We need to hold our heads up high and look into one another's eyes and say, either aloud or silently, God loves you. The invisible sign of the cross on our forehead from the time of our baptism comes through to others in the light of our eyes and our smile, in the way we present ourselves and in the way we treat each other. It is this outward and visible sign of our inward grace that is seen and received by others in faith. While we may not anoint our brothers and sisters in Christ, young and old, with fragrant oil and wipe their feet with the hair on our head, we can anoint them with love in the way that we treat each other each day, at work, at school, at play, at home, or away, in our visual presence as we present ourselves to others. So go in peace to love and serve the Lord in this wonderful kingdom that he created for us and gave us his son, Jesus Christ, for us. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more, go to ChristChurchTulsa.org. And peace be with you.